for joining us as we continue our conversation on COVID-19. Tony Espinosa on the American Experience with Ernesto Palomino. Um, I think sometimes we, we think that, you know, nurses and doctors are, you know, the real life, you know, they're made out of, you guys are made out of Teflon and you guys are there to not only kind of take that, whatever is dished out and that's what you guys, you guys have to take that and that you have no other option and that there's no human, I guess there's no human part of you that actually absorbs this and, and, and knows that you, you know, to take it home with you, you know? And, and so thank you for sharing that, man. I, I know I can relate to, to that aspect in the essence of, you know, what I felt when, you know, my girl tested positive, I was like, and not only that, man, like even like my stepdaughter testing positive, I, I was, I felt really, really just awful, man, because I felt like I'm the, now granted, I don't, I can't sit here and tell you exactly where, you know, I, you know, I contracted it. I can't sit here and and for sure a hundred percent tell you, yes, you know, I, you know, I was out and, you know, it definitely wasn't at a bar and it wasn't at a restaurant, but, um, I don't know, man, I contracted it and then they tested positive and I just felt awful, dude, that, you know, I, I brought it home. And so when I, when you say you strip down in your garage, I damn near do the same thing. Um, I still, I, I take precautions. I, I've, I've been double masking since, you know, recovering um, from the moment that I was cleared to go back to work. Also, I, um, you know, I tell people at my job, don't come in my cubicle, stay out there, don't come in, you know, not for the sake of me being disrespectful or being, but, you know, it's just for my own, for your own safety, but for mine as well. I need you to stay out there. You know, granted, I am recovered, and, and but yet I don't know what the full effects of what that should sure. look like. Also, um, from the aspect of, uh, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm also decontaminating myself. Not that I work in the hospital, but... You know, I'm around people and, you know, we're all around different and you don't know what they do over the weekend or or what they do outside of work hours or if they've been whatever they've been doing. So any clothes that I wear, whether it's, you know, shirts, you know, coats, whatever, I automatically just put them in the hamper, go and shower before I even interact, you know. So I I, uh, I completely feel you on that, man. And, and. You know, that was one of the things also that I was like, you know, you got to stay on top of, man. It's just the little things, you know, those little things of like, don't lax, you know, it's not even the moment to be relaxed, you know, just because you feel like, you know, once you made it, you recovered, you know, building up those antibodies, if you did, um, you know, it's it's not the moment to lax, you know, you, if anything, you should probably more double down, <laughs> you know, and, and make sure that you are making like 10 times you know more mindful of where you are touching who you're you know who you're around and and that's the thing and you know you know i know people that are of different mindsets and that's okay you know that's okay but for the sake of my safety and theirs i prefer just to to keep a little bit of an arm's length um and so i i also feel like you know gatherings with i didn't do anything for the super bowl man i stayed home you know, my family, just, you know, us four, we had a good time. It was just us. And, and that's kind of how we keep it, man. We don't, we don't really try to, 
to go out and do anything else outside of what we need to. And um, for my parents, man, they, they just got their second vaccination yesterday. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that they're doing okay. Um, one of the things that I did want you to, I just, I mean, for me, just being curious, man, that once you, you kind of go through that and, you know, you accept that this is what's here and you're going to, this is what you're into, man. I mean, how does, as far as your, your wife, man, how does she kind of respond to you now and, and, and kind of understanding where, where you, where you are risking your life every day? How does she kind of deal with that? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's one of the things that, you know, early on with this thing, I, I was very honest with her and, and I told her, I was like, listen, um, we're about to enter uncharted territories with, with all of this. And I'm like, I, I don't have any answers for you uh, because we don't know, but we can't be, you know, um, dumb about this or we can't not, you know, prepare as best as we can. And so we, we talked it out. I told her what my, you know, plan was and what our plan should be and we you know kind of talked it over um early on when obviously we didn't know um any of this right what what it brought and what it caused and we kept going back and forth whether is this a uh, airborne uh virus or droplet virus meaning that if somebody sneezed on you and you got drops on you and you inhaled it that's how you got it or was it literally something that was airborne in the air and, you know, you just kind of happened to get it? Or was it contact, you know, like somebody, you know, wiping their their nose, running nose with their hand and then opening up a door and, and you walk behind them and, and catch it that way? And, you know, not really knowing what it was, you know, we sort of kind of took precautions with everything. And so um, I think one of the things that we did at the hospital was that, Anytime there was uh, an inadvertent exposure, uh, we were quarantining people. And so I, I was one of those that got quarantined a handful of times, um, you know, for the first it was like seven days and then it was like three days. And then it was like, you know, just if you have symptoms and so forth and so on. But during those times, you know, I was doing the, the responsible thing. And a lot of us, you know, if we got an exposure, known exposure at work per se, um, you know, we were renting hotel rooms and staying in, in a hotel room for, you know, five days, six days um, until we got tested and, and we tested negative, you know? And so again, there's a lot of those little things that went on for many people, you know, a lot of us paid out of pocket for these things. Um, and, it was one of those things that I, I talked to my wife and I said, listen, I, again, I know what I signed up for. Uh, my job as, as a husband and a father is to try to do my part. And if I feel like I got exposed to something, you know, again, not on purpose, but it just so happens to have happened that way, then the least that I could do is protect them, you know? And of course there's always that angst about, well, we're not going to get to see you and we don't want that either. And, you know, talking to my children, it was one of those things that I tell them, like, listen, guys, like, you know, this is something that I I have to do, right? Because I love you guys that much that I would rather lock myself in a room somewhere in a hotel room um, until I know for a fact that I'm not bringing home anything, you know? And so 
you know, one of those uh, learning things, you know, that you sort of kind of learn to, to live with these things. And I'm sure there's there's people across the country world that, that had to do similar things, you know. And so, um, again, it, it's, it takes a toll on everybody, you know, to not be able to see your family and, and, and those things. And, um, you know, working in an intensive care unit, you can imagine, I mean, there's no, no easy day there. So every single day, there's an emergency, there's something happening. And so as much as you try to safeguard everyone and, and, and make sure that your your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, there's always unfortunately things that, that happen or things that slip through the cracks that, you know, um, cause exposures or things like that. And so uh, again, you know, no matter how much of a good job we did, we, we still, ran the risk and we continue to run that risk right i mean there's been a lot of research done as of late a lot of new things that that we're we're learning about the virus um but just when you know the things are are hoping that they're actually getting better you know you're starting to see downward trends and numbers um we're now discovering that there's new variants to this virus right so spin-offs if you will and so we're in the midst of that, trying to figure out what that's going to turn into, um, you know, and so kind of diving into that realm, uh, you know, with the whole um, vaccine and things like that, which I know you you wanted me to kind of touch on. Yes. Um, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, to, you wanted me to touch on. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of myths out there, you know, Um um, first and foremost, you know, I, I did get the vaccine. I um, got the Pfizer vaccine, which was one of the first two that was offered, which was the Pfizer and the, the Moderna. Um, and then obviously there's been others that, that have been developed recently. Um, but, uh, um, you know, there's there's a lot of skepticism out there uh, with the vaccine. Um, I... Look at the science. We talked to our epidemiologists. Uh, it, it hasn't been made mandatory for us. It was strongly suggested, strongly recommended. Um, one of the, the epidemiologist doctors that, that we work with very closely at you know, the hospital, um, in so many words, said, listen, guys, um, you guys are, are obviously in full control of your decisions. Uh, you know, my job is to explain to you guys what what the, the science says, what it shows. And my only the only thing that I could do is tell you guys what what, you know, the vaccine looks like and what it is. Um, and he's like, but I will make a comment and say that it might be in your best interest to to get vaccinated simply because, you know, uh, for the general public. Uh, if they want to get it, great. If they don't, then they know what they're up against, depending on how well the general public takes care of themselves and the precautions that they take. Uh, it's a 50-50 chance with them, right? But he's like, for you guys that you're in this thing day in and day out, in the thick of things, uh, there's no reason why you should not get this vaccine. And, you know, instantly it made perfect sense for me uh, after listening to his lecture on the vaccine and essentially what it is, which we'll dive into here in a second. Um, 
it, it just made perfect sense, you know, and, and I did it for, for my family. I did it for my, you know, dad and, and relatives and friends and things like that. And obviously for myself, but, but it's true, you know, if we know that we're in the thick of things, then, then why not? Um, now, you know, I've heard it all. I've heard people say, um, from one extreme to the next, almost in Ernesto, like I've heard people say, oh, it's, it's a conspiracy. It's the, the government, you know, trying to implant microchips in you. It's the government trying to, you know, inject things into you so they can control you. Uh, we don't know what it is. We don't know what, what lasting effects is going to have. And, you know, it, how all of a sudden, like in less than a year, they came up with a vaccine and expect people to get vaccinated and so forth and so on, you know. Um, yeah. and, and although I do agree with with some of those those comments, like, you know, I had some of those same questions. How is it that we, we came up with this all of a sudden, you know, then you're like, you know, um, but if you, you know, just kind of talking about the, the life cycle of the vaccine um, and just, you know, just to put things into perspective, you know, and just to kind of, you know, maybe, maybe feed into this idea of like why all of a sudden, you know, we come up with a vaccine in less a year when it takes years to, to develop vaccines, which is true. Um, and, I, and I'll give you just as a reference. Um, and, and again, a lot of this data is public information. I, I grabbed a lot of the stuff from the CDC, the World Health Organization. Um, and, you know, for instance, the, uh, uh, the chickenpox vaccine uh, took about 28 years to develop. I mean, that's, that's a long time, you know. The flu itself took about 27 years. Uh, the HPV virus vaccine took about 17 years to develop. Um, the, the polio vaccine took about 13 years. And, and the, the mumps uh, vaccine took about four years, which at that time, it was record-breaking. Like, oh, my God, they developed this thing in, in like little amount of time. And so when you ask yourself, why, why does it take this long to, to develop things? Um, you really have to to consider the the amount of work that has to go into it, right? right. And so, right. I, you know, just based on those those years of, of you know of research and things that I, that I just mentioned and how long it took to develop these vaccines, like what you you notice there is that every time like it's taking less and less time, and it's because of technological advances, um, and that that essentially is part of the reason why we have been able to, to come up with, with a vaccine in, in so little time. But, you know, uh, for instance, a, a vaccine just from start to development. And then mind you, a lot of these companies that, that uh, basically pay scientists to, to work in labs, to put things together, try to decipher, you know, DNA and, and, and viruses and things, bacteria and things like that. Um, this is all the private sector, you know, and, and, and obviously there's there's a race for, for somebody to come up with a cure with things and, and try to, 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 to be the person who came up with the cure, you know, and, um, but there's a lot that goes into it, you know, you start off with like uh, basic research, right, like, and then you're researching whatever the issue is, you know, in this case, it, it was the, the coronavirus, right, Um but, you know, people, they, they do research, they, they go through this space that's called discovery, and essentially they, they discover, like, 
a, a gateway, if you will, to, to whatever it is they're looking for. And then they, they formulate, you know, a, a hypothesis, they test their hypothesis, they, they, they do a lot of runs and reruns, and, um, and then they begin what they call preclinical trials. Uh, and those can range anywhere from, you know, um, lab uh, trials to animal trials to what have you, right? And so that's, that's the vaccine there. Um, and then once they kind of tweak it and, and figure out that they have something, um, then begins, you know, uh, four phases of, of this whole development process, which is, it starts off with the phase one, which in the first phase, they, they, they do clinical studies and trials, and they look at it from a safety standpoint. How safe is this to, to give to people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and is it safe? And, and what effects is it going to cause? Is it going to kill people? Uh, is it going to give them any type of side effects? What what do we what do we see in the lab? You know, and, and how is that going to translate from from a, a lab um, subject to to a human person? You know, uh, because obviously, you know, as much as they do in the lab, it, it, it never really, you know, you can't with 100% certainty say that it's it's going to have the same effect on a human. And so then it moves over into like phase two, which is, you know, how effective is this going to be? You know, is it really going to work? Um, and if it works, then they're for how long, you know? And um, and so then they go through the third phase, still within the, the clinical study trials, you know? And, and again, this takes months to years for these phases to, to complete, you know? Um, the third phase is going to be like safety and effectiveness. How, you know, can we combine both and, and make it safe and effective, you know? And you know, and if at any point in time during any of those spaces something backfires, they have to go back to the drawing table and then tweak it and then bring it back and redo the phase that they saw something go wrong, you know. Um, but again, it takes months to years. And so now once they figure all of that up and figure all that out and realize like, yeah, it's safe and effective. Like we actually have something that we can present you know, to the governing bodies that will approve this. Now they have to sit down and, and basically type all this stuff up in, in a report that I'm sure stretches hundreds to thousands of pages um, to try to paint a picture to to the the FDA and to the uh, AIC, ACIP, which is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, um, essentially asking them for permission, like, hey, we think we have something. And so they, you know, they have to, once they complete the vaccine and development phases, and now they have to go and stand in front of the FDA and say, hey, we have this thing that we want to try on humans, you know, and we did all this, these clinical trials, we tried it, we tested it and retested it, and, and it checked out, and we're good to go. And so then they have to go through the scrutiny of the FDA, right, the Food, Drug, uh, Food and Drug Administration, and they have their scientists and people that are going to peer review these these you know um, ideas and um, their you know uh, product to see if it's even worthy of, of and safe you know and they look at the same things the safe and is it effective and and what what does this look like then once that happens then they have to really present it to the advisory committee right on immunization practices and then you know go through that scrutiny. Um, and so one, once they, those people approve, 
then they have to go through a post-approval monitoring uh, process, which is going to be phase four. Um, and it's where now, you know, these people that, that get it are, are going to be monitored, you know. Uh, so the safety continues with the CDC and the FDA for safety monitoring. And so, I mean, that that is a lot of moving parts and a lot of capital, a lot of money that, that it takes to 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 be able to formulate and, and develop something. And so you can imagine that, again, these, these private sector companies that have to dump billions and billions of dollars into this research, right? And so if you really look traditionally at how in the past uh, our vaccines have been made, um, I think this will put things into perspective on how it works. So traditionally, there's always been four types of vaccines that, that we have seen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, one, one type is what they call a live attenuated vaccine, uh, which is uh, like a live virus that they inject in you. Um, you know, and this is for an example, uh, like the MMR vaccine, um, which all of us that live here in the States got at some point or another, as a kid or an adult, you know, um, and those vaccines are essentially a, a, a live virus that they inject in you. Um, and obviously you, you go through the symptoms, but you get treated with, you know, over the counter stuff and then, and then you're fine. Uh, and then the second type of vaccine is going to be, uh, inactivated, uh, type of vaccine. So it's a virus that's inactivated. Uh, uh, for example, the flu vaccine, right? Every year, Scientists, you know, take the most common strand of the flu and they reproduce it, make a bunch of vaccines, and every year we get the flu shot, right? Right. Um, people, people say, oh, you know, the flu shot doesn't work. It's okay. Well, not necessarily. Uh, or people say, you know, I got the flu shot and I still got the flu, so that, that doesn't work. But what they fail to realize is that, you know, there's so many strands of the flu that what, what scientists do is that they take the, the most common known strand and that's what they project that may be uh, abundant the following year, and that's what they're going to vaccinate you against. If it so happens that you catch a different strand of it, then that's the issue, that you unfortunately caught a different strand, you know? And so we never give credit where credit is due, right? Because if you get the flu shot and you don't get the flu this year, then you just don't say, oh, you know, I didn't get the flu because I got the shot. It's just like, well, I just didn't get sick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 that type, you know, of uh, vaccine. Um, and then the third type is what they call a toxoid uh, vaccine, which is going to be, for example, uh, like the tetanus shot. Um, you know, the, the we get tetanus like once every ten years, uh, or boosters in between, depending if you know somebody stepped on a nail or something. You go to the ER and they give you some kind of booster, um, but it's a toxoid. Um, and then the fourth one is uh, what we call a recombinant type of vaccine. Uh, that's going to be something like the hepatitis B series vaccines that you get or the HPV virus vaccine. Um, so tra- traditionally, those have been the four types of vaccines. Those obviously took years and years to develop. And so, you know, there there's two new types of vaccines um, that have come to essentially to the market or just to science, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, you know, the, the the first type, you know, the what the 
COVID virus or the, the vaccine that, that we're seeing right now. The first one is, is what they call an mRNA type of vaccine. Um, and that's going to be, you know, like what Pfizer, uh, BioNTech, uh, and Moderna vaccines came up with. Um, and basically, it's uh, scientists basically identified part of the genetic sequence that creates it, uh, and they synthesized uh, the mRNA uh, essentially to save time and money. So what does all that mean? So basically what, what they did um, is uh, there is in, within the virus, there's this thing called the spike protein. Um, you remember as a kid, actually they're still around. You remember those uh, suction balls that those little balls that had all those little uh, things that you throw against the wall and they stuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's little suction balls. Yeah. So imagine that being just a, a single single virus, right? Right. With all the little, with all the little suction cups tentacles, right? Right. So a, a spike protein would be literally just one of those little suction things. If you if you if you you know kind of want to use that as an example. And so so basically the, the way the virus works is like take that little suction ball that that's a toy, you know, as an example. Um, and so what it does, once it, it, it invades or it gets into your system, it literally uh, puts, touches your cells, if you will. Your cells and your body essentially go up to it. And that little spike protein, if you will, uh, sits there and, and interacts with your cells. Um, and, and essentially what it does, it, it, it breaks the DNA code for your cells enough to let that spike protein open the door, if you will, like picking a lock on your immune system or your cells and gaining access to, to your body, if you will. Um, and so what, what scientists discovered was basically that they could actually take that spike protein, right, initially, and um, in, in, a, in a way snip that 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 little that little suction thing off the virus and then create this like fake body for it right to to attach it to uh to try to create this vaccine but a lot of that proved to to be a little hard for them because basically what what they were doing is having to to create a stable form for this little spike protein to, to live on. Um, so I guess, I guess another example, imagine, you know, your, your vehicle being the, the virus, right. And me walking up to it and saying, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to take one of the tires off the car and I'm going to try to create a car myself that I can put this tire on in hopes that it's, it works the same way. Um, <laughs> so, complicated, man. so you you know but it's hard it's hard to recreate the virus even though they were able to do it right they were able to take that tire off that car and to to recreate it in a lab um and then create this 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 body for that tire that i took off you know your car um but they found that in order to do that they had to freeze this this car this if you will that i replicated um and it wasn't stable enough you know mm -hmm. um for it to 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 work and so then even though it was there and they could figure it out um they 
they have to keep it super cold to maintain the viability. Uh, but then they realize that, man, it's, this is hard. This is going to be hard to to keep this cold and to distribute it around the world and, and things like that, you know? Um, and so they they came up with this, this again, idea like, okay, we, we took the tire off Ernesto's car, but what can what can we do to try to make this even better, right? So what they did is they they literally go into the virus and and the the part of the virus that that writes the code for for the virus for the spike protein so so imagine so again let's go let's go back to the, the tires I've kind of gone on that tangent so imagine imagine you taking your car to discount tire right and and the person that's at discount tire you know basically putting the tires in your car being being the 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 mrna right and so mrna is the messenger if you will so what they did is like i'm um and again this is the way i understand it and i'm trying to break it down where maybe people could understand but what they did is like okay instead of taking ernesto's tire off his car what if we just go and grab the dude out of discount tire and take him with us right and forget the tire it just take the person who knows and makes the tire out of out of the the shop and and basically what they did is they went into discount tire grabbed a dude that that types the code the dna that creates these spike proteins i.e tires um out of out of that that virus and they put that that person virus uh, a code messenger mrna if you will um to to keep writing that code but instead of writing the writing it inside the virus to write it inside a, a person's body right right so so what did that do that saved a ton of of time money and basically instead of creating this thing in a lab the risk is, you know, basically like, well, we're not giving people the virus per se. All we're doing is replicating the the code on what the virus is. So let's go back to this dude that we took out of discount tire, right? So we take him, we sit him down and we say, hey man, you can't write viruses anymore. We still need you to give us the blueprint of what it looks like because we need to know. Right? right. And so then what we're essentially doing is threatening that mRNA. Like we're and he's like, that's cool. I don't really care if it's for a virus that I'm doing this or for you guys. Like, I'm just going to keep riding it. Right. And again, this is layman's terms. It might not translate for some people, but this is how I understand it. And so what that discount tire person did, i.e. mRNA for the virus, is we replicated the code for the virus, right? And so essentially kept telling him, you know what size tires we're gonna need. We just need you to keep printing out the papers of the DNA sequence for those tires and, and we'll take care of the rest. And so basically what what the vaccine is, is just that. It's a, it's a copy of 
what the virus will look like once it's completed, essentially, in so many words. And so in order for the, the virus to, to be viable, they, they had to use other things like in, uh, basically encapsulated. So imagine taking that piece of paper that just got printed out with the, with the code, with the virus code, and then they put it inside one of those like pocket sleeves so that it doesn't get damaged. Well, let's say that, that that pocket sleeve is made out of like sugars and fats and things like that so that it's it's protected. And then they, they freeze it to to a really cold temperature, right, for it to, to maintain its stability. And so then what happens? So then they that's where the vaccine essentially gets created, right? So now, you know, I go and get my, my vaccine. And so basically what, what it looks like is they inject you. With, with this sleeve that has a paper in it that has the code that the virus is, you know, the DNA of the virus. And so what does your body do? Your body sends all of its little soldiers, you know, immune system, um, your B cells, uh, your white blood cells in your immune system. You know, once it enters your body, your body responds and says, hey, somebody just came in. Like, we got to go see what's going on. And so your body's, you know, immune system walks up to it and says, yo, who are you? What are you doing here? And they open up the sleeve, pull out the piece of paper and read it and say, this is a code for a virus. So then your body starts replicating antibodies. It starts making uh, uh, antibodies to fight that virus. This is the part that that why people get symptomatic for just a short period of time, i.e. one or two days. Some people obviously have gotten a little sicker, but no one really, honestly, there's some rumors out there that people, you know, some people, one or two people have died from this and all that. It's not true. When it comes to the vaccine, well, I can't say it's not true because I don't know that for a fact, but I can tell you that most people that I work with have gotten the vaccine, have gotten mild symptoms. Um, when I got my first shot, I got body aches for like a day. I took Tylenol, was fine by the next day. Uh, Erica had hers the first day. She got a little, not a rash, but a little redness around the insertion site of the needle. That was it. My second dose, three weeks later, I got a little fatigued and tired. Um, slept maybe 10, 12 hours that first night. Uh, but then I was fine after that. Erica's second dose essentially the same thing um my sisters got theirs none of them had any symptoms some people at work had a little bit of a runny nose anyway all that basically saying that you do get mild symptoms because again going back to your your body building antibodies so basically what your your immune system does is it takes that piece of paper inside your body read and starts distributing a copy to to your body's fighting cells and so they, they basically, your body arms itself with antibodies and basically says, all right, guys, we have a copy of what this virus looks like. So we need to be ready for it next time we see this, this virus pop up, right? And so then basically what your body at that point does is creating antibodies so that if by chance you get exposed to the virus and it just so happens to enter your body, then your body is going to say, ah, we, we know you, we've seen you before, you know, we got you. And so then your body naturally starts fighting that virus. So again, the vaccine is not to 
um, completely provide immunity to you, but it's more or less to give you a chance to build the antibody so that if and when that happens, you don't get as sick as you would have if it invaded your body for the first time. Uh, so again, looking at the science for me, that was enough to say, okay, I, I'm in. I mean, it makes sense, you know. If this is if the the worst that can happen is that you know I get some symptoms, and in in severe cases, you know, some people have gotten anaphylactic shock, but most of those people have been people who have a history of anaphylaxis with shots. So. It's almost like they know that they've gotten in the past and it's a risk they're willing to take. But for the most part, most people, you know, get really mild symptoms. And I, for me, personal opinion, for me, it felt like that was worth the price to pay, you know, symptoms for a day or two. And and hoping that if I get exposed to this thing again and I get sick and that it's not, you know, um, severe enough where it can take my life, you know, especially me being in the, in the nick of things and being in the middle of all this day in and day out. So I'm hoping that that helped, you know, you and maybe whoever's listening to kind of put things into perspective and hopefully made enough sense. Might've bounced around a little bit on, on how that, that whole vaccine works, but basically that's, that's in a, in a nutshell what, what the vaccine looks like. So when people say, oh, they're injecting you with the virus, it's not the virus. You know, it's 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 the 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 messenger, uh, a copy of the what the virus looks like, if you will. And so naturally you're gonna have a little bit of symptoms, but um, but it's not not necessarily true. Now, there's a second new type of vaccine out there that that is what they call a adenovirus vaccine. And that's like a company by the name of AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson um, have have created this. It's it's a little different. Uh, so the use essentially is is basically the 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 same messenger, sorta, um, but they use a harmless virus as a carrier. Uh, the the so and the reason they they went that route is because they saw how volatile the vaccine is if it's not cooled and frozen at the temperature that it needs to be. And I'm not quite sure what that temperature is, but it's it's below zero degrees, like something crazy, right, for it to, to maintain its viability. And so these companies were like, okay, we're going to spend billions of dollars on this, um, but there's always that risk that it's not going to be viable if we don't maintain the integrity of keeping it as cold as, as it should be. So what else can we do? Well, what they, they they realized or they saw or they're seeing is that maybe we can just inject it into a harmless virus that is weak, but it's it's enough to be a carrier to get into the body. So so take that same guy from you know from discount tired that got pulled out but now they're using um, like an Uber driver, if you will, to come pick him up and deliver him, right? And so they take the Uber guy and say, hey, you gotta take this dude to to Ernesto's body, right? And so the Uber guy's like, yeah, that's cool. Well, the, the issue is that your body over time is gonna build resistance to that particular virus, right? 
And so then meaning that the, the shot may not be as good because your body's beginning to, to, to build a resistance to that little virus, even though the virus is just the carrier enough for your body to open it up and pull that piece of paper out. Right. And that's all it's doing. So what scientists will need to do is to basically create new carriers, you know, for, for future vaccines. So meaning, you know, I, I imagine it this way. All right. You know, they used Uber to get them there. And now the body's like, yeah, we, we see you coming like now nah, you ain't doing all that. And so then, so then what we're going to do is now we're going to go use Lyft, you know, and then if we use Lyft, now the body's going to be like, oh, we don't really know this dude, so let's go figure it out, uh, and so forth and so on. Now, which one is better out of the two? Honestly, I, I don't have an expert opinion on that. That's something that you and the general public would probably have to look more into. But to me, man, honestly, and again, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert in any of this, but I'm intrigued by, by things like this. Because what, what really, honestly, this has done, Ernesto, is really, really started, you know, opening up the doors for, for other possibilities. Imagine these two new types of vaccines. If science is able to essentially go into the virus and pull out the part of the virus that encodes or writes the code for these viruses, Imagine what could potentially be in the future. Could scientists now go into, you know, viruses like HIV or cancers and pull out the person or the thing within those um, illnesses, diseases that writes the code for that cancer or virus, pull them out, mount them on one of these two types of transport um, vaccines and inject people with them so that the body can create antibodies and maybe either A, find a cure for these things, or at the very least help create immunity for those things. I mean, I think the possibilities are endless. Um, and so that these two new vaccines, I think, again, have opened up the door to, to other things. At least in my eyes, I, I start thinking about all the possibilities that could come from it, right? But just the, 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 the now, this is why the vaccine was developed so fast and in such short time. Because with those other vaccines, they had to go through years and years and years and years of, of just trying to figure out how they could maintain the viability of, of the, the virus, whether it was uh, attenuated virus um, or a toxoid or a combinant, which is completely different methodology to, to create these vaccines, right? But with the technological advances that have occurred and how scientists are now using technology to really decipher this stuff, man, it's, it's fascinating, man. If you dive into this stuff, again, you can go down a rabbit hole with this stuff. But when you talk about these guys that start looking into the DNA coding um, and how everything is broken down by DNA and each chain has a code by letters and things like that. And they can actually go in there and tweak a couple of things and switch letters out. And again, I don't know much about this, but just, it, it's just crazy to, to think what, what this, this potentially uh, can, you know, create in the future, you know? So that, that is why, again, you have seen it created in such a short period of time. 
and it's taken billions of dollars to kind of develop it. Um, and again, the theory was presented to essentially the FDA and, and the governing bodies that that really regulate this stuff. And it made sense, right? I mean, we're in a pandemic. They're like, yeah, I mean, what's the ladder that we don't create something and this gets worse and we lose you know, millions of people. Um, and it's, again, it's shown promises, right? I mean, they did their research, even though it was in a short period of time, they, they tried it in the lab, it worked, they enrolled God knows how many thousands of people into their, their short, you know, run of, of research. And this is why they've come out with like, oh, there's 95% efficacy in, in the vaccine, right? And so that has really allowed for for this thing to, to come to market. And so if it truly is, you know, uh, being done that way and that's how the science behind it works, I, you know, again, I, um, I like the science behind it. I, once I learned it and, and it was explained to me that way, I was like, listen, why not? What's the ladder? I don't take it. I come into work every single day you know, get sick and potentially die, or I can take this vaccine and worst case scenario is that it doesn't work, it doesn't do anything to me and I might've gotten sick one or two days, but I'm still just as susceptible. I, you know, I rather take my chances. And again, it's not not for everybody. I'm not trying to convince anybody to to take the vaccine or to not take it. You know, I think I think, you know, for me, it's just hoping that this provided a little bit of maybe insight or maybe use analogies to try to break it down onto what the, the science behind it looks like and, and hoping that maybe someone out there that, that may be listening actually, you know, either got sold on the, the, the idea one way or the other, right? Because at the end of the day, people have to do whatever they feel is, is best for them. I, I have friends colleagues close to, to me um, that, you know, are fearful, obviously, and rightfully so, uh, and are saying, you know what, I, I'm i just going to wait to see what happens to the first wave of people that get the vaccine. And, and that's okay. If, if that's what their, you know, conviction is, then who am I to, to try to change their mind? But I will say that the, the scary thing is that we're entering a phase where now we, we're finding, you know, new strands, new spinoffs of this virus, because viruses, that's what they do. They replicate, they change um, instantly, you know? I mean, they're, they're mutating every, every chance it gets. And so, uh, you know, the code is changing and all that. And so, again, it's, it's one of those things that we don't know what the future holds for us, but, um, you know, we, we have to do our part. And, and if that means getting vaccinated so that, you know, we're around longer to be able to help more people in hopes that at some point or another, this, this thing kind of gets better, or is it really going to become the new norm where we're just going to live with it, you know? Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it, man. I, I want to remind our listeners that this is the American experience with Ernesto Palomino, not Tony Espinoza. <laughs> listen, man, I, oh my God, I have been jotting down notes, man. I Listen, I, for what you're explaining, it's valuable. Once again, man, I, I am so humbled for you to definitely um, share the, 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 
the airwaves here with you, man. Um, and, and I mean that, you know, jokingly, of course, man, you, you've pr provided a plethora of like information here, man. Um, no, I, I completely, completely am taken back by just the insight that you've just given me uh, and us, um, whoever's listening, of course, um, just from a personal perspective, you know, um, fascinating the, the, the science behind what it takes the, those great minds to really, really critically think um, in, in that way and to, to kind of put it in that, uh, in, in, I can't even imagine, like my mind cannot wrap my head, my, my mind can't wrap my thoughts around what those guys are in the lab doing and thinking of to be able to not only concentrate all hands on deck, to, to get this out as soon as possible. Um, my personal opinion is just that what if, you know, all of those scientists, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I, you know, I wonder that, you know, the arms race, right? Who can get there first and who's sharing information? No, we don't want to share that. We want to come up with our own. And I'm like, you know, hearing, you know, some panelists talk about that in that way, it's like, why aren't these scientists all working hand in hand to get this out cohesively, right? Because you got people in, across the world that are scientists that are working on their own, you know, on their own, um, what do you call it, their own vaccine. And is it, and to kind of dial back on that, it, the profitability of, of some people to, to try to make, um, you know, whether it's who gets to the market first, you know, uh, scientists, are, are, are all scientists not working hand in hand to share information or, are all these guys kind of like, hey, we have our own team. We're going to just try to beat out Johnson & Johnson. And I, I don't know that, you know, but it, it's interesting to me if that is going on or is that not going on. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I don't know, you know, for a fact how that works. But the, the, the little that I, I do know, uh, and again, this is personal opinion, I the way I, I hear is that obviously there's a lot of private companies. I mean, and let's be honest, um, pharmaceutical companies are probably the, the richest, you know, companies out there simply because the, the market share for, for just pharmaceuticals is just, it, it is crazy. You know, the, the, the amount of trillions of dollars that, that we, you know, use uh, every year for, for healthcare uh, needs, right? And so they, you know, they they invest billions and billions of dollars in the private sector to to develop these things so that they could, you know, get a stronghold on on just the, the space itself, you know. And then uh, unfortunately, that's that's the way it works. The government obviously has its own private sector or own sector of scientists that try to come up with things, or at the very least, are there to basically, you know, sit back and wait to see who's going to come to market with stuff um, and give them the the okay to to distribute or sell it. So, um, again, I'm always using analogies and things like that. But the way I see it is, you know, that the government is like um, like the 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 say, let's say the, the contractor, if you will. Right. right. And so. The government sits back and waits on all of these these uh, private companies to come to them and say, "Hey, I think we found something. I think we got a cure for this. I think we 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 have another medicine that 
that that works like this one, but it's going to be even better, you know. And so basically, what what happens is who who who's going to be able to get the nod and get the the contract to be the main provider for um, the service, if you will. So in this instance, I imagine Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, and the other company. They're all private companies that are, you know, racing to the finish line to try to come up with something so that they can go to the government and say, listen, we got something too, we got something too, uh, and and try to to get the government to buy the the vaccine from them. Um, and even if it's at a at at a at an affordable cost, simply because we're in a pandemic, uh, you know, and and I have to imagine that the billions of dollars that these companies are spending to come up with these things, they're looking at at it in the long run. You know, at the end of the day, no matter how we try to spend this, there's there's a business aspect of it, right? Um, and that's just the, the 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 truth. And so I imagine that there's notoriety to being the first, obviously. Right. But again, even even though there's a race to the finish line, these people don't cannot skip any steps. Even though we they developed the vaccine in a short amount of time, they were still put under the same scrutiny, uh, um, and maybe even more so. Right? Again, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure the the people, the government, the scientists, FDA, CDC, all these people that that have a say so. It had to have scrutinized them and said, "Okay, this is too fast." And then walk me through this, you know. And and it took them, you know, whatever time to read through whatever um, presentation they did and really scrutinize the, the 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 research and the the subjects and the people that were in the trials and things like that. And it, obviously, they felt compelled enough to approve it because it's in the market, right? Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's a business and. There seems to be enough space for all these companies to coexist, but I, I do think that this is just the beginning of, of a new era of discoveries and medicines and things like that. Um, and at the very least, if, at least for this, you know, that instead of running the risk of losing fifty million dollars, fifty million people in, in ten years, that maybe we can slow the curve down. And I mean, you know. Alluding back to the total number of deaths and almost at a half a million, hoping that within this coming up year that we're not losing that many more. You know, uh, I remember when we first talked about, you know, projections on how many people would die and, you know, someone coming out and saying like, oh, if we manage to keep it at 100,000 people dead, then we we've scored and we've won. I still think that's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but. I, at the end of the day, I think that's basically what what it boils down to. To be honest with you, Ernesto, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sighing because it, as you say those numbers, man, it's it's still too many people, man. It's uh, I think you put it perfectly yesterday when we were on the phone, and you said something like taking, you know, the the amount of three, um, you know, cowboy stadiums full of people, and just they're all, they're all just dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and I. I and I don't know. I don't know if if people really wrap their 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 
brains around the amount of people that that is. It's a lot of people, man. It's and that's just here. In, that's just here in the U.S. Four hundred eighty-two thousand as of this morning, uh, and counting. You know, uh, I mean, it's it's scary, man. And so again, uh, I I I have to to try to go with the science, man. You know. Uh, uh, and I'm a God-fearing man by all means um, but you have to also consider what's out there and, and, and stay on top of it and stay educated you know and you and I had talked about this you know off the record a while back um, on how you know um, coming from a Hispanic background and being a you know first generation uh, Mexican-American uh it's tough, man, to see our own families, you know, uh, not stay up to, to date with, with information and the technological advances and things like that. And, um, and just, you know, again, um, not, not making it a point to, to educate themselves on, on trends and, and diseases and, you know, anything from what we're dealing with now to just diabetes, hypertension and, being a little more and more conscious about these things, you know, and I'm sure you see it with it probably within your own family and anybody who may be listening may feel the same way, but I feel like, you know, as you know, uh, haven't had the opportunity, you know, from like my parents, my, uh, uh, immigrating to, to the United States, uh, back in the sixties. And then obviously for, for my brothers and sisters and giving me the, the opportunity to, to, be born here in the United States and actually have the just the the ability to be able to 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 do the things that that you know I've accomplished and, and I'll tell you man you know I'm sure you know you and I have grown up essentially together and, and we've talked about this before but our upbringing is just probably like the, the same as any other like Mexican family that you know their parents you know, work hard you know sometimes two or three jobs and um, you know, uh, nine to five with little to no education, uh, construction jobs, you know, uh, carpenters, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. just working out, doing hard, hard labor, you know. Right. And you know, for me to to be able to have the the ability and, and working hard, and again, you know, I I didn't get a scholarship, I didn't I didn't get anything, you know, but I pushed my myself just like I've seen you push yourself and. You know, I think we owe it to, to our parents to to take advantage of these things, man, and, and to teach our kids and, and anybody that may be around us that are willing to listen to us and and just grow as a, as a community, you know, all-inclusive, and even as an as a ethnic, you know, a group of people that are not accustomed to, to these things, you know, and... Um, Man, it's 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 very humbling, man. I, I, you and I again talked about things like this in the past, and we don't forget our grassroots and where we came from. And so, I, man, every chance I get, you know, I try to to talk to family and friends, and if they're willing to listen, I'm willing to to take the time and talk and try to educate and and help them just learn things, you know, and and just to in hopes that we can, you know, stave off illnesses or or just be around longer than than you know, we're expected to be, you know? Um, right. No, and, and uh, one of the things that I, I talked to you off the record was to to use this as a platform. I, I use it as a platform as well for just education and putting, you know, the 
information out in, in somewhat of a conversational uh, aspect to it. Um, you know, you covered a lot of points there, man, which I think is, is important that, you know, we continue to be that, I guess, resource for our parents, uh, for even for the, the older generations that are in our families to, to kind of, you know, they, they come from that mentality, old school mentality of, uh, and, and it may not just be them, of course, you know, it, it may be that just that generation of, you know, we, we fear the doctor, like we fear the dentist and, and the fear of not, and the fear of like knowing is better, is, is making sure that, you know what, I'd rather not know, <laughs> you know, but, and, and it's, it's almost like that, that's not the way it should be. I think you, if you do know, then you're better prepared and knowledge is power and, and not, you know, in, in making sure that you take the proper steps to, you know, maybe give yourself five or 10 more years. Uh, on the side note, you know, my father stopped smoking and drinking over 20 years ago. And I think that that's elongated his life. Um, I would say just on the basis of just not smoking and drinking. Obviously this, yeah. I mean, those are killers too, but you know, those are slow killers. You know, you know, the, what, what could have happened had he still maintained that lifestyle of smoking and drinking and, you know, in the era of COVID taking that chance, I mean, this probability of survival would just be, and not that, it, you know, he's not at risk, but I think that him being informed of those things and, and what, what those long-term, uh, long-term could have done to his body, he chose to say not not anymore you know i'm done and sure and thankfully yeah. he he he's he's definitely you know made i think he he probably feels pretty proud of himself that he's been able to cut cold turkey uh and he was never on gum or anything like that he he cut the cold turkey and you know um 20 years plus strong not touching a cigarette or or anything alcoholic and i think that's extended his life um one of the things that i also wanted to say man just uh, from a personal perspective, man, just what, you know, how proud I am of the fact that you've managed to, you know, where, where in essence, you know, are, are coming from, you know, the, the communities that are, are sometimes underserved um, and, and seeing your goal and your drive into, you know, your, your passion for, for helping people that turns you into, you know, essentially the, the medical field. Um, how unselfish that is, but also, you know, you being able to kind of find your way and, and not having to rely on scholarships or perhaps, and not, not, a, not only that, I mean, shout out to, to Townview. I mean, there, that's where you, that's where you came out of, man. And, you know, I came out of Skyline, but, you know, these are, these are high schools that are, you know, and Townview is a high school that is nationally recognized, you know? Um, so shout out to them, but you know, one of the things also is that you coming out of there, you, you, you are pretty much already preparing yourself for that, for that essence of, of education that you knew what you were going to do and so forth. And, and not only that, maybe didn't have it all figured out. I don't know. But, you know, in essence, I'm, I'm just proud to that I, we have a voice, you know, in those rooms. And, you know, you being in that room with, with all these other medical experts and, um, you know, being a resource. Um, it's first and foremost is I think on one end, man, is, is, is very, it's just awesome man, that you're in these rooms. And I think all essentially is, is what we want. We want to see it at the table just to, to learn and listen and, and to be able to kind of, that's the thing, man, because when we see one of us 
in those rooms, we tend to kind of gravitate more towards that because, you know, it's like, oh, he's one of us. I mean, let's just keep it real. But I, I if, you know, I, I feel that way. I feel that because you're in those rooms, you, you take the information, you process it to and, and disseminate it as, you know, like just to help people. And I think that's that's a win, man. That just Let's just not forget about that. You're in these rooms that not everybody gets to be in. And being, you know, a Mexican descent, you know, you you've uh, you you take that humble energy, and and you say, hey guys, this is what I know. Here's what I here's what I'm here's what I'm doing. You know, um, not necessarily pushing it on anyone, but here's what I'm seeing, and and that's the that's the beauty of the conversation, man. And you know, for us to to kind of come full circle, you know, um, and I don't even know, man. Like I think you've covered a plethora of, of bullet points here. One of the, and maybe you can kind of go down down these two points was, you know, the new norm. You know, what is that looking like? And and then to follow up from that, you know, um, recommendations. You know, um, but you know. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, man. First and foremost, Ernesto, I I really want to say thank you again. You know, uh, I think you know, uh, you you're doing an amazing job, man. And I've told you this time and time again. You know, our our relationship has, has weathered a lot of things. We go months on end, sometimes without talking, and we pick up again where we left off, and it's always, always good, man. We're, I'm always, you know, eager to know where you're at with, with the things that you're doing, uh, your business ventures and things like that, um, starting this, this podcast, um, seeing that things are going great for you. And, and again, man, I, I look forward to honestly, you know, doing more content with you in the future on, on anything, man. Honestly, anytime, um, brother, you welcome on, man. You are welcome <laughs> on anytime you you want to. I mean, just just for everyone that's listening, you know, he he has done music production. He's you know started out DJing. Has his, listen, his love for music can go about as long as this podcast because. I mean, listen, the crates of the DJ days where he was hauling around the vinyls. <laughs> I mean, we go back to them days, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, brother, we, we're going to we're going to do other shows for sure. I, I just yeah, I, I wanted to get this uh, on there. Though, on the it's record. been it's been uh, it's been a fun journey for me, man. I, you know, just kind of touching a little bit of my like upbringing and things like that again. You know, days running around with you in the club scene uh, to, you know, my DJ days and uh, <laughs> just kind of growing up out there with people. Shout out to Quick Mix Rick and, and all the crew that we used to hang out with, you know. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's, um, you know, I, I think for me, uh, I, I try to always remind myself, you know, where I came from. Um, and really, honestly, be an example for, for my children. Um, I, I don't you know, claim to, to know it all. I, uh, you know, I'm transparent. Anybody ever asks me a question, I'm, you know, an open book. Um, I don't know it all. Uh, I, I know a lot of people who know a lot of stuff. And so if I don't know it, I know who to call, who to ask. And, and it's really been a, a, a big benefit for me, you know, and it's just perseverance, man. Um, I, I will tell you, you know, uh, my drive really comes from the the fear of, of failing and not, you know, wanting to even be close to, to you know, being anywhere around failure. Uh, and um, that that that's what drives me, man. I'm, I'm scared to to fail in anything that, that I've tried to do um, because I, I've seen 
what that does to, to people uh, close to me. Um, uh, I've been, you know, I've gone through through family events that financial, uh, you know, uh, woes have torn apart our family, you know, uh, and and I just, you know, I, it scares me. It scares me to to be complacent. It scares me to to sit back and then just wait for things to happen. And, and it's just not me. And now that, you know, I have a, a beautiful wife and kids and um, I have to do it for them too, you know. And if I can provide any kind of information or just open people's eyes, whether friends, relatives, or just a stranger, and to just really at the very least think about, things and put things into perspective and again not to change their mind but maybe to help them make a decision that they were undecisive about you know um but yeah i mean my my upbringings you know i i grew up in a single parent household i know a lot of people out there can relate um and uh, no different from probably anyone who's out there listening um so uh it's just hard work man hard work and dedication um, I mean, I, I could, you know, remember like it was yesterday uh, when I was still in school and college and, and trying to pass tests where you guys would go out and y'all call me or text me and be like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to head down to Lower Greenville or we're going to this bar or that bar, come out. And I really, you know, had to to really, really, you know, um, turn you guys down and, and really my my drive and, and commitment to, to get into where I'm at you know, really stood out, you know, and as much as I wanted to or whatever, uh, again, that fear of, of failing or not really, you know, knowing what was next or ahead, um, you know, uh, scared me the most. And so stuck with it. I'm still not done. I mean, you know, I have talked uh, about opening up a, a, a private practice, uh, maybe even in, in the community, honestly, to be honest with you, I've, I've molded over and um, a good buddy of mine, he's an uh, uh, internal medicine doctor um, who's doing his fellowship right now in Louisiana. Him and I talked about opening up a private practice soon. Uh, and then COVID hit, and, and, and we're still in talks about doing that. And one of, one of the things for me has always been to try to give back to the community, you know, um, the, the underserved, um, you know, um, where where education lacks and and really to try to to give back and and help people uh, participate you know in their in their health and their uh, future and and really be there as a as a mediator to help them navigate through through their diseases and illnesses and and, and just to try to to help them you know get better at at just you know whether it's taking their pills on time or keeping up with their appointments or just keeping up with their health is, is something that, that really I I want to do in the, in the in next few years. Um, obviously, I'm still in the, in the hospital setting. I am doing a lot of other things, but if I could have it my way, man, honestly, I'd set up shop somewhere in, in the hood, you know, back, back where we grew up and, and just open up shop, you know, but, uh, you know, I everything is in due time, in due time and yeah. that time comes. So I hope that you know I can accomplish that, man, and really yeah. be able to help help out even more. You know, man, as long as you got a vision, brother, you know, I, I think you're you're capable of anything, man. And you know, you always have me as a resource for whatever you need. Um, one of the things that I thought about is just think about 
you know, forwarding in time, when you do open up your own practice and, and if you were to do it as, as you're, you're mentioning it, um, what kind of outreach you could have on kids in the neighborhood that never thought about either science or medical as a possibility, but you opening up that door and what kind of impact you could have to perhaps some sort of a outreach program where now you're, you're catering to like these kids that are in, you know, to coming out of these neighborhoods to, to become, you know, next nurses and medical practitioners. Um, as you mentioned before, there is a growing gap between the nursing field and, and, and just what it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that I don't have the numbers, but I, I remember you mentioning to me before what a, what a growing gap that is. Yeah, man. And, you know, and again, it's, uh, you know, I, 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 I love, you know, uh, my background. I never once have I ever, you know, felt ashamed of where I come from and my upbringing or anything that I've ever been through. Uh, it hasn't been easy, but that's, you know, I, I've never expected anybody to feel sorry or anything for anything, you know, but going back to what you were saying, man, I, you know, I rub elbows with people from all walks of life, people who come from money, people who came from nothing, you know, like me. Um, and, you know, and it, it's a beautiful thing to, to be able to sit round table with people like this from all walks of life and, and share the same vision. Right. And, and it's to try to, to help people honestly at the end of the day and to figure out ways to, to just be better. Um, but, but for me, what, what I hold dear to my heart is just that, man, it's, if I can do anything to, to help the next Ernesto or the next Tony or, (laughs) or anybody, man. And it, it, you know, I'm, I'm always game for that. And again, you know, I, I would, I would tell anyone out there who's listening that, you know, if you're a parent um, and and you're you know working as hard as you can to provide what you can for for your kids and things like that, then keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. Um, sometimes it's hard to take the time aside and to be able to you know sit at the table with your kid and help them with their homework and do those things. Um, doesn't make you a bad parent. Doesn't make you anything. If anything, you're doing what you know how to do to try to keep your family, you know, to try to keep your family going and putting food and roof over their head. And sometimes that's, that's just good enough. Um, me and my personal life, you know, I, I lost my mother when I was, I was a, a teenager. Uh, and so I ended up, uh, moving in with, with my sister and her kids and all that. And, uh, although they financially never really were able to afford to send me to school or any of that, Ernesto, I can't tell you um, there's no money in the world that I could repay uh, her or my brother uh, for for what they did for me. And that was simply putting a roof over my head, taking me in uh, after my mom passed and just continuing to support me um, spiritually and emotionally and being there. Right. And so, again, there's nothing that I could ever do to repay them only thing I could do is to pay it forward and to, to try to help my family and my kids and my wife and provide, you know, for them and, and try to really start new trends with like my children and my families and, and their kids and nephews and nieces and, and try 
to challenge them to be better, not to try to forget our roots or anything, because by all means, though, that's what, that's the foundation of, of who we are. Right. But to challenge them to, to be better um, so that they can provide a better future for, for their kids and their grandkids and, and set new trends so that in the future, you know, we can continue to sit and around the table with, with these people and, and who knows, man, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, and, um, you know, um, might have the next world renowned surgeon or scientist growing up in one of these neighborhoods that we used to walk, you know, and so, um, I love to be, to be part of that, you know, and, um, I'm always willing to, to give guidance the little that I do know, or, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to kids or people, my nieces, nephews, and just challenge them and say, listen, just, just, you know, think about this, you know, think about your future, you know, uh, just because I know you feel the same way. No one was ever there to tell us which way to turn, turn this way, turn that way. And so, if I can pave the way for somebody or if I can at the very least point them in the direction that maybe they they should go and then let them go from there, then that, that's good enough for me, you know? No, yeah. I, I, I am completely, you know, agreeing uh, with everything you just said. I think that um, in our, in well, in our culture, we, we celebrate a lot of the athletic achievements, but you know, I'm really, really always fascinated to hear about these these surgeons and, you know, authors and, and, and scientists who are continuously, you know, changing the world, whether it's in medicine and discoveries. Um, you know, these, I'm often really just taken back by people who go into really these these fields that really impact our lives, whether it's on the nutrition front, on the on, on looking at researching viruses, um, going out around the world and seeing what global warming is doing and in the effects of how, what, how that is a domino effect into, into our, whether it's culture or whether it's just uh, on a population side of the resources that are being depleted. Um, what what all that's causing, and, and these these scientists that go around purposely going to go research this stuff to come back with the data and the information. Um, those are the and these are like the unsung heroes, man. And and part of that is also they come from all walks of life, man. And and I, I think that even if, if in our world, man, if we can make some sort of a footprint or echo, or, or have those that are coming behind us to look at things that we've we've touched on or done man that's that's what is part of our our, our i guess our legacy and and outside of our own families man and the people that we interact with daily so i, I i'm the same way man the same sentiment man anyone whoever comes to me for you know if it's hey so even if sometimes i i, I always tell people look <laughs> if you're looking for advice on certain things i may not be the expert but i can sure try to turn you on to the the, the resources that I've touched on that have not served me wrong. Um, and with that being said, man, you know, I, that, that's, you know, you're an example of that, man. You know, I, I feel like you're, you're someone who is naturally there wanting to help with the right energy, man. And so if, if you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the day, man, where you're like, Hey man, I've gone ahead and stepped out, got my own practice. And I, you know, to me, I, I think you've always been that type of person determining, 
but I also think that you can also kind of reflect back on some of those, uh, you know, maybe second guesses. And, and those are the, the stories that I've always heard that every people person that's successful rather share the losses or the, the, the I don't want to say failures, failures, but it's like those things that, hey, you know, I took, a, I took an L on this. I'm like, but this is what I learned from it. And here's how I bounce back, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think I think I think that's just it, man. I'm I'm one of those people that I actually embrace those those times in my life that there was there was chaos and and doubt and things like that because you know looking back at, at those times, it just reminds me that you know for me personally, like I had I had enough. You know enough oomph in me to to that I muster to to kind of push through and um and I'm sure there's people out there that feel like they've hit a dead end wall and stuff like that and um but they they just get enough they they muster enough courage to just kind of keep pushing forward and um you know whatever um background people come from whether they they're you know um, uh, of religious belief or not um, whatever religion, you know, religious background people may come from, there's always that something that they hold on to that helps them sort of kind of push through and whatever that is, continue to hold on to that, um, continue to use it to, to bring you peace and sanity and, uh, you know, shout out to all the, the, the people out there, man, just trying to make it, make it work for them. You know, any, anybody from frontline healthcare workers to, first responders, police officers, firefighters, you know, people in construction, uh, work in the kitchens, uh, baristas to, um, I mean, you name it, teachers, you know, uh, I have a special place in my heart for teachers. Um, one of my sisters is, you know, is a teacher and, and uh, it was a teacher that I, you know, that for me, I felt like that was kind of my turning point, you know, um, uh, that had this belief in me and um, had a conversation with me. Because, you know, uh, as a kid in, in, in grade school, um, I, I acted out just like any other kid. And, um, you know, my mom worked two jobs and was hardly home. So back then, you know, I essentially took care of myself and got home. There was nobody there. Um, mom had left some food to, you know, kind of warm up myself. And so... Um, to no fault of her own. She was just trying to make ends meet, you know, as a single parent. And so, but for me, it, it was just that, man. It was it was a teacher who back then, um, she must have seen something, had a conversation with me um, and demanded a lot more from me because she, you know, saw in her, you know, mind, she saw potential and things like that. And and again, man, it resonated with me even at that age, you know, and I don't know if it was divine intervention, um, whatever it was. The point is that there's always somebody who has uh, an impact in your life uh, along the way. Um, and, you know, some people may believe that it's by chance. Other people may believe uh, it's faith. But whatever it is, you know, you got to keep your head up, keep your 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 head on your shoulders and just keep pushing forward, man. And, and again, man, I really want to, you know, thank you and and uh, and praise you for for what you're doing and creating a platform just to be able to put things like this out there in the ether and and let people gravitate towards it and then listen to it and uh, in hopes that somebody walks away with with a, a positive 
um, you know, message and that they're able to get out there and uh, shake it off, whatever it is, and and then really put their mind to it, man. And, and again, uh, you're doing an amazing job. And I'm very proud of you, man, everything that you've done. I've always told you this and I've always told you that you have a friend in me and anytime that you need any any piece of advice, you know, the little that I can give you for what it's worth, man, it's yours, you know, and I appreciate your friendship and I'm sure, you know, we'll, you know, 20, 30 years from now, we'll be sitting down, retired and looking back and reflecting on things like this, man. Man, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be retired from all the Bitcoin and Dogecoin we've invested in. <laughs> oh, man, that's a conversation definitely for another day, man. Um, oh, my God, man. I, I know we've we've really, really dove into some rabbit holes here, man. Um, and I appreciate every word, man. I, uh, man, it's 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 not recorded, so it's not in the, in the stratosphere and in my archives, man. So I'll always definitely, uh, you know, go back and listen to to this episode, man, because it, it just brings me so much joy, man, that, that you've, um, you know, you've not only made the time, man, but always given me the time to, if it's just some advice or if it's even just on some, you know, uh, hey, man, what do you think? I'm going through this or, you know, just provide me some sort of guidance, man. And, and I appreciate that, man. I really do. Um, yeah, man. Anytime, brother. Before um, we do get you uh, in wrapping up, man, um, just any quick recommendations, man, as we're kind of um, going to go into this um, part of the vaccine phase now and um, people that have had it perhaps feel like I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm immune to it. I'm not going to get it anymore. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to I don't need the vaccine or they feel that they're home free, man. Uh, any recommendations for, for just the general public? Yeah, man, I, I, I guess if I had to give a piece of advice would be that, you know, uh, for people to stay informed. Um, I mean, you know, with, again, with technology nowadays, man, you, you can get on, on, on the internet and find so much information. One thing I would say is to make sure that you cross-reference your resources, that the people that you're hearing messages from are, are people, um, with, you know, uh, validity that that actually have um expertise in the field and, and and know what they're talking about um and it's not just somebody on a youtube video or tiktok or something uh posting some kind of comment because unfortunately that's sometimes what we tend to gravitate to right somebody says oh it's a myth they're trying to microchip you and then we run with it right but but just that man just just stay informed and stay educated knowledge is power as you mentioned earlier and um, as far as the vaccine goes, man, if, if people decide to get it, understand that it's not providing 100% immunity. Um, it's, it's really there to, to try to help you um, not, you know, get as sick, create some antibodies so that your body can maybe hopefully fight this thing off. Um, but it's, it's not 100% uh, you know, uh, safe, or not safe, but, you know, uh, effective. You still can run the, the chance of, of getting sick and the hope is that you don't get as sick. And then for those people that are out there that still are not sold on it, then, then continue to do the things that you're doing as far as, you know, staying isolated and, and practicing hand hygiene and, and being as careful as possible and just, you know, being a responsible human being. Uh, and then also for those people who dismiss you know science and then the things that are happening or just don't 
you know, um, respect the, the, you know, what, what's been going on, you know, uh, that, you know, that we hope that, you know, nothing drastic happens to you or anybody, you know, around you and that you really start maybe coming to terms with, with this being a, a real thing. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen families torn apart because uh, a loved one uh, ends up in the hospital and, and, and dies and the story repeats itself. And we went to this gathering and we shouldn't have gone. And, you know, I didn't feel good, but I still went. And now my whomever got it and died, you know, and, and there's always that that remorse. Um, so again, whatever whatever it is that, that people decide to to go with, um, I just hope that they're, they're responsible enough. If not for them, then for their neighbor, um, whether it's family or friends, um, and you know, just people out there, you know, just just wear a mask. I mean, that's I think that's important. Uh, none of us want to wear it, you know. I mean, but I I wear it for for me and for the people around me just to be respectful. And and again, at the end of the day, it's to each its own. You know, we do live in a in a country that provides us the, the the freedom to free speech and to do and say the things that we want to. But understand that sometimes there's consequences behind those things, and um, it just I hope that when people realize it's not too late, and for those people who are striving every day to to make it work and then doing their part, you know I thank you personally and and hope that you know that you guys continue to stay safe and and to you brother and you and your family, you know again if you guys need anything, I'm always here for you guys. And um, and that's that, bro. Man, <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to interrupt your flow, man. That was uh that was really good, man. Look, listen, man. Anytime you want to hijack the show, man, please. <laughs> you you have an open <laughs> open platform, man. I, I I'm just happy to shut up and listen, man. And and listen, man. I I once again, man. I thank you for the time, brother. Um, you know, anytime you want to talk about anything, and you're welcome to come on. I I am so just like I said, man. I'm I'm just overstuffed with information that <laughs> I you know I, I will continue to digest and um, yeah, man, absolutely, Nesta. Listen, um, anybody who's out there listening, I know you always people email you or call you and have questions, man. If there's anybody out there that ever like has any questions, particular questions, whether it's in the health industry, or anything, or needs help you know breaking things down i i'm one of those people that i love diving into things and trying to put things maybe in layman's terms or in a way that maybe more people can can relate to um just shoot ernesto an email give them a call let them know uh again i'm not an expert on on a lot of things but i'm, I'm very knowledgeable i know a lot of things and um if you know ernesto maybe we can sit down and talk about in the future like if there's questions that come your way and maybe, you know, spin this off into just disease processes, whether it's, you know, hypertension, diabetes, or, or just anything in general, brother. Bro, brother, we, you could, you, we could have a medical minute, man, every week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know, we can do a co-host thing, man, whatever you want to talk yeah. about, man. Um, you know, music, medical, just, <laughs> you know, travel, you know, um, whatever, man. But, once again, man, I am so, so, so humbled that you made the time because, you know, listen, it just, 
last night were just scheduled to have this show at 11 a.m. And, you know, he had to go do an emergency pickup. You know, dude is like masked up, jet, going to pick up people, going to, you know, um, and, and it's all, you know, the COVID related thing. You know, it's he's not yeah. doing this because, oh, you know, I want to get on a plane at, you know, 1 a.m. to go and pick up somebody that's, you know, you know, just randomly sick. No, this is the procedures that go behind the scenes. I don't fully understand, but he tries to explain it to me the best he can. And those are the sacrifices that all these first responders are doing uh, behind the scenes, you know, in the AM going, you know, to pick up people in helicopters and, you know, getting in this, this rough weather, man, and, and leaving their families and, and going to go do these procedures and then coming back on, you know, after a 10 hour shift, 12 hour shift, getting a little bit to no sleep and you know those are the things you know i i just told him listen brother whenever you get your sleep and you rested hit me up i know it's valentine's day you gotta do the wife thing and and be there and, and the kids and, and so no rush but man that's why i'm so so uh humble that you you even mustered up the the just the energy to go ahead and, and put this show together man but uh, i'm really glad to to know that you're good your family's good man and yeah, man. Um, we'll continue to chop it up, man. And yeah, we can. There's definitely room for spinoff for content, man. Because yeah, once again, anyone that is really interested in in reaching out to him or at you know, please email me. Um, I will actually add the hyperlink to the show uh, and to my email, uh, so you can personally reach out to me. Um, and definitely your questions will be. I'll be sure to get to him to him and uh, he'll address them by either on you know through the airwaves or you know through through email although I, I think you probably prefer to acknowledge it through the through the, through the podcast so um, just in closing man anything else you want to add bro uh, well not, not a, a whole lot other than again just thanking you and and your audience man and, and I look forward to to doing this again with you and uh, again anybody out there who, who's listening I uh, hope you guys walked away with with good information at the very least something to, to think about and um, as always you know uh, thank you for listening to, to Ernesto's show and um, keep writing subscribing and then whatever it is that that you need from me man just know that I'm here and then again thanks a lot brother and we'll definitely talk soon for sure man and uh, once again I'm gonna echo that sentiment Thanks to everyone that chiming in, listening, and following and liking us, man. Uh, it's the American Experience with your host, Ernesto Palomino. We want to thank my boy Tony for making the time once again and uh, giving us this information. And once again, we, we do have a disclaimer. We are not recommending in any which shape or form for you to, you know, it, these are all our opinions and, you know, based on the facts that he's looked at. And so if you want to, for more information on anything, uh, please reference the CDC. Um, other than that, you know, we thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to The American Experience. The American Experience with Ernesto Palomino is presented by Maximon Media Group.